0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today, we continue our series on the core values of First Pres. The focus today is on being thoughtful. What does being thoughtful mean? And what does it look like? For those answers and more, here's First Pres Senior Pastor, Dan Chun. Well, it's paths time our five core values, and this morning, I
1: shall talk about thoughtfulness. So remember, PAVS is an acronym for our church's five values. We strive for P, the presence of God, A, authenticity in our community and in our prayers, T, thoughtfulness, H, humility, humble enough to know we desperately need God and to be humble with one another, and then service, with the generous love that God has given us, we give to others. These are the paths that lead to a more relevant, practical, inspiring life in Jesus. I personally have preached on four of the core values, and so I'm glad I get to preach on the fifth value, thoughtfulness. When we say thoughtfulness is a critical value of our community, we're not talking about the kind of thoughtfulness in terms of being courteous, like being thoughtful enough to send a thank you card. For a church, being thankful means In thinking about life situations, we are thoughtful in not seeing living as black and white, nor seeing people as purely good or evil, or seeing the Christian walk in a simplistic way. For our church, being thoughtful means, number one, always trying to find the good, the truth, in a situation. Number two, realize there are surprising nuances in every circumstance. Number three, all truth is God's truth. So we're not afraid to read and research from a wide breadth of resources. And number four, don't be judgmental. Okay, let's look at the first point of how we will always try to find the truth in a situation. Our passage for today is from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in a city called Thessalonica in northern Greece. And here's what Paul wrote in First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16. Always rejoice, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Well, first of all, I always sit up when there's a paragraph that has the phrase, for this is the will of God. I better pay attention. People always ask, what is the will of God? So here's a paragraph that says, this is the will of God. And when I look at this passage, I zero in on the words, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. And that phrase has been one I've tried to carry and live by all my life. I think about that all the time. When people make a judgment about a person or an idea, I try to test it and see what is the good in it. As an aside, that's why I want everyone to read the entire Bible because you'll never get the wisdom of the word if you don't read it. And then you'll always think like the world and not by the word, which is often counterintuitive to how the world thinks. And that's why I want people to get into their daily Bible reading apps or Zoom meetings like Just Show Up, where groups listen to the Bible together. And in this day and age, it's easy to read the Bible and have prompts and Bible reading programs all on our phone or laptop. So please take advantage of them. Now, about thoughtfulness. When I hear someone give a quick judgment about a person or a situation or a theology or philosophy, In my mind, I always think of that phrase, test everything, but hold fast to what is good, to what is true, what is real. Another way to say it is, don't be gullible when you hear people say something like, they know when Jesus is coming back, or they say something that is contradictory to what the Bible says, like, God wants everyone to be rich with money or never get sick test everything by what the word of God says. As a letter in the Bible called Hebrew says, indeed the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of uh, of the heart. So that's the filter. Understanding the word of God helps us evaluate the thoughts and intentions of people's hearts, and then hold fast to what is good, what is true. Now, let's go on to the second point. Realize there are surprising nuances in every circumstance. So let me give you some examples if you follow Jesus' life in the Gospel stories. You'll see how in his thoughtfulness, he is always evaluating, testing, analyzing a situation to see what is really happening and how God's perspective enters into it, even against peer pressure and the political correctedness of the time. Take, for example, the story of the adulterous woman, as reported in the Gospel of John in the 8th chapter. A woman is caught in the very act of adultery, which had got to be embarrassing for her, and the religious leaders bring her into some kind of village or town square in front of Jesus to have him render a judgment against her. The Jewish law is clear, do not commit adultery. And if people are caught in adultery, both the men and, both the man and the woman should be stoned. Now, interesting in this story, the man is not accused, just the woman. No fair! Why did he get a pass? Hashtag him too! But no question, in this situation, for her part, the woman is guilty as heck. She violated one of the Ten Commandments. She is in deep kimchi. So imagine the scene. She's probably disheveled, maybe crying, fearful. Maybe she was thrown onto the ground. Shivers of anxiety ripple through her body as she knows there are men there who may be picking up stones to hurl at her, to damage her body, to crush her skull, to bash her ribs or even kill her, and she looks up, who is this Jesus rabbi guy who stands near her? Will he give the command to open fire? But good news, Jesus is thoughtful. He knows the law, he knows it's sin, and yet what about grace and mercy? He weighs the two seemingly opposing principles, He is so thoughtful that he takes his time in the judgment by not once, but twice bending down to write in the sand. Thinking, writing, thinking, writing, thinking, writing. First time he writes, who knows what he's writing? Maybe he's looking at other men there one by one staring at one man and he writes the words last night motel 6 and the man shudders with embarrassment and then another he looks at him and writes the words Marriott, Las Vegas last business trip. Then as he stares at at another nervous man who then looks away with guilt as he writes And how many drinks did you have last night?" And then Jesus gets up from writing and says, "'Okay, guys, let let him who is without sin among you "'be the first to throw a stone at her.'" Come on, the one with no sin, go ahead, throw the first stone. And then slowly, thoughtfully, Jesus bends down again and starts writing in the ground. Did you see that in the text? He stooped down again. And maybe some of the men are thinking, oh, no, don't write another hotel name down there. And maybe suddenly you hear the plop, 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 plop of stones being dropped. And then hear the shuffling of the men walking away, one by one, beginning with the older ones who should know better. But the Bible says everyone, everyone vacates the scene, and now it's just Jesus and the woman alone. And Jesus says, Woman, where are those men now? Has no one condemned you? And maybe weeping. And in shock, she answers, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. And uh, hey, um, from now on, don't sin like this again. Friends, that is being thoughtful to the max. The law is clear, adultery is sin, adultery is to be answered with stoning. Jesus is not ignorant, he knew the law, but he also knew the law of God that offers grace and mercy. And when two absolutes clash, what do you do? That's when you must be. You have to be thoughtful. It's like there is the absolute of the principle of gravity. No one escapes that truth. Not a single human being can, can avoid gravity. 32 feet per second, an object will begin to fall to the ground and then picks up more speed if dropped from a higher height. But then there's also the absolute of the principle of aerodynamics. That when flying a plane with the right thrust, the right speed, the right angle of wing and tail flaps, you can defy gravity for a while. And that is why Jesus said, okay, I don't condemn you, but from now on, don't sin like this again, or else your plane, your life will come crashing down again. The gospel of Jesus is the gospel of the second chance. And you'll have to be thoughtful to really think about what is happening so that you don't unnecessarily judge and condemn someone too harshly and stone their souls. We sometimes condemn our friends or family or a supervisor or employee too harshly. And we are tough, as we should be, on leaders. And Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 3, we ought to be tougher on teachers of the gospel, so I get it. But there is always a thoughtful other side of the coin. Hawaiian Islands Ministries has been around for 37 years, and we present a lot of speakers, spiritual leaders. And over the 37 years, yes, several of them have committed adultery. And that, yes, that is a sin, a horrible sin, and wrecked uh, that wreck their families and ministries. But when Pam and I have determined that they have gone through a restoration time with their spouses and families and ministries, we are open to having them return to teach, though many others wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. One said to me, when everyone else walked away from me, Pam and you, walk towards me. And for three speakers, the hymn conference was their very first speaking engagement and their return to public ministry. I think that is the way of Jesus. To be thoughtful means to weigh the reality and the consequences, the ups and downs, but then do the right thing, no matter what people say. Jesus did this over and over again in the Gospels. He is the supreme model of being thoughtful with people and trying to balance the law and the grace. In the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter is a story of a woman who who had five husbands and is shacking up with a man who is not her husband. And one day she is alone at the famous Jacob's well. She's all by herself because no one else wants to associate with her because of her sin. And even though a woman, Jesus, comes up and talks to her, which is a no-no during that time, and he knows her reputation, but he still is compassionate towards her, and that's being thoughtful. Another story in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus rolls into town of Jericho, and the town's biggest sinner is hiding up in a sycamore tree. His name is Zacchaeus, and Jesus asks him to have dinner with him that night, and he is a known sinner, and embezzler, and the whole town hates him for being a dishonest tax collector who rips off his own Jewish people. But Jesus chooses to be with him that night, for Jesus is being thoughtful, analyzing the situation of what is right and what is wrong, even though it may be counterintuitive to the whole town. And that compassion unlocks Zacchaeus' greed and and he decides to give away half of his goods to the poor, and if he has defrauded anyone, he says he will return it four times the amount. Unlocked, thrown away. In his telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus chooses a hated race, a Samaritan to be the hero for the story, even though that would be offensive to people. He thoughtfully chose the Samaritan to show God's grace and that a people should not be hated for their race. No race is all bad or mostly bad. So let me really bring it home. You may not know this, but there's a presidential election coming up that has kind of quietly slipped into town. There's also a mayoral election and a lot more other offices up for grabs. As your pastor, I'm telling you, do not let this election cause division between you and your friends and relatives. It will be easy to judge people and political parties and specific news services as being fully evil or stupid or a threat to society. It will be easy to demonize people or groups and make this a season of great polarization. Don't do it be like Jesus. Be thoughtful. Don't see people as fully righteous or unrighteous. And when you think someone is super wrong on an issue or is an ignoramus, hear the words of Jesus, of he or she who is without any sin or blindness, throw the first stone. People try to get Jesus into political traps all the time. He was asked by religious leaders called Pharisees, who hated him, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Because you know we hate Caesar. And Jesus, being thoughtful, said, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. He judo flipped them. Rather than making it political, he turned the discussion to say that we have to be as careful about our obligation to God as we are to Caesar. And he made a political challenge to be about God rather than about Caesar. It's hard for a community when it is an election year. It's easy to get into different camps. But I call us to humility and kindness and civility. No matter how the election turns out, I've never used the pulpit to support one candidate over another, but I do know this. The candidate that we might be so sure is the right one might not be. Remember when Israel wanted a king and they picked Saul to be king, but he was not the right one. He looked good. He might have been charismatic, but Saul was not the right one. In the Bible book called 1 Samuel in the 16th chapter, the Lord says to the prophet Samuel that he has to choose another king to follow Saul. So Samuel goes to the family of Jesse because God told him the new candidate for king would be found there. So all of the sons of Jesse line up for Samuel to check out, starting from the eldest to the youngest. So let's read more in the Bible what happened in 1 Samuel 16.6. When the sons arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things human beings look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel before Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? there's still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had David brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the the horn of oil, and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came on David in power. Okay, do you realize how revolutionary this is? Jesse, the father, must have thought, what? You don't want Eliab, my oldest? He's my oldest. He has to be the one chosen to be king. Get this and and you will see how revolutionary the Bible is. For centuries in Jewish culture, authority and priority and leadership always went to the oldest child. It's still that way in many families. And, And you see that all the time, like in royal families, like Prince Charles and Prince William in England. But God doesn't always follow that culture. In fact, if you really study the Bible, Two huge cultural traditions are turned over by God, huge ones. First one is primogeniture, where the oldest always gets the authority and leadership and the wealth. And that changed immediately in the book of Genesis, with Jacob, the younger, chosen by God over brother Esau. Joseph one of the youngest chosen by God over his older brothers. Moses, chosen by the Lord over his older brother, Aaron. Me, being the youngest in my family, once brought up that truth to Peggy Campolo, who is the oldest in her family. And I said, Peggy, see how God always chooses the youngest? And she replied, what about Jesus? Okay, good point. Okay, not always. The second cultural shift that happened with God in the Bible was that women would be lifted up to be equally important as men. Unheard of in ancient Jewish custom where women couldn't even be a witness in trial simply because they were a woman and still had much less rights as it was in this country for centuries where women couldn't even vote until 1920. In the New Testament, priority notice is given to the women It is Priscilla over her husband Aquila, Mary Magdalene being the first discoverer and preacher that Jesus had risen. The woman at the well with five husbands became a great evangelist. Lydia, the seller of purple goods in the book of Acts, being one of the first convents in Macedonia. The point is, to follow God means to be thoughtful, even as cultural, trans-political correctness Um, or correctness may not be followed in order to follow God. But don't miss this important point. Being thoughtful means to listen to the Holy Spirit as the prophet Samuel did. Play back that story. Seven sons walk by Samuel. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Seven sons. Seven. Nope, not that one. And then Samuel asks, Are there any other sons? And Jesse, who must have been puzzled or frustrated, say, oh yeah, Uh, David, the youngest one, the one who likes to play music, the one with the sheep, the one who writes poetry. He's no macho, macho Marlboro man. And Samuel says, bring him to me. And as it turns out, he was to be not only the next king of Israel but perhaps the most successful and famous one in all the history of the country. We have to thoughtfully look at people. The wimpy Peter Parker or Clark Kent might actually be the true warrior. So let's get on to point three. All truth is God's truth. For our church, we're not afraid to read and research from a wide breadth of resources. Some churches have a fear of science, not us. Science is about God. Creation cares about God. If you believe in evolution, it points to an intelligent design by an intelligent being. Being thoughtful means we read everything, secular and religious books, Protestant and Catholic, for, for if we find any truth, it is God's truth. There's always some truth in other religions. Other religions are not 100% bad. If another religion says we should forgive people, we would say that's God's truth. It's just that we would say in humility that there is more truth when Christianity says love and forgive your enemies. Another religion might say to hate them. Then you have to make a choice. And we would follow Jesus on that one. Some families want to continue to hate other members and not forgive. We would say that's not helpful or healthy for it differs from what Jesus and the Bible said. So we are a church where in addition to seeing the Bible as divinely inspired and infallible as the Word of God, you will hear us quote from Einstein and C.S. Lewis and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, St. Ignatius of Loyola, and even not be scared to talk about the doubts of faith from a St. Teresa of Calcutta. First press will hopefully always be thoughtful in our presentation of the Gospel, even taking from something popular, like a movie called Greyhound, or something more deeply theological uh, by Bishop N.T. Wright from England. We're not afraid to talk about climate change or the home on the range. We might talk about Saturday Night Fever or Justin Bieber. It might be at our peril if we talk about Will Ferrell. From Shakespeare's Henry V to a Dark Lord of the Sith, from the Lion King to the King of Kings, all truth is God's truth. In being thoughtful, we build bridges with people of all ages, cultures, and races. And we listen, we learn, we read, we yearn to love God, love people, and serve in Jesus' name. And so we come to the final point. Don't be judgmental. If one is thoughtful, one will not be quick to judge. It's not that we are to fudge on the truth, but we take our time to know the truth, and so we don't judge. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Why do we take our time to know the truth? Because we have blind spots. We are sinners that pervert our perceptions, and we can be selfish and make any issue all about us. And rather than seeing things as always either or. As followers of Jesus, we need to see things as both and, just as Jesus did with the adulterous woman. He promotes following the law, but he also promotes grace. The law without grace is legalism. Grace without the law is sentimentality. When we are thoughtful, we see things as both and. We test everything but hold fast to what is good and true in humility and in grace. So, let's all be thoughtful. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you knowing that at times we have a lot to work on, and one of the things maybe we need to work on is being thoughtful and not judge people, not condemn them. This is a time, Lord, during this year when we're choosing our leaders, we can be very divisive. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will really minister to us. And Lord, I realize that there's some here who are saying, Man, I want to follow this Jesus who's so thoughtful. I want to follow this Jesus who gives grace and mercy, who sees both and. And so, Lord, if there's some here who want to make a commitment to follow you, that maybe the light bulb has finally come on in some way, take them off the edge of the fence, that Lord, if they want to follow you, may they just say a simple prayer and they can say it in their hearts, something to the nature of what I'm going to say and they can just follow it, which is basically just sorry and thank you and please. That Lord, sorry maybe that I've ignored you. Sorry that I haven't seen the relevance of you, but, but now it's dawning on me that you are relevant. You are wise. You're the key for society to make it a loving, thoughtful, gracious, merciful place. And so, Lord, I just want to pray now and say, I do want to follow you. Please come into my life. And thank you, because I know from other talks you've died for me as you tried to show the way. So Lord, I, I just want to commit my life to you right now. And not that I'm going to be perfect, but to the best of my ability, I want to follow you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, if you said that prayer, um, there's a button you can hit that says you committed your life to Christ. And you can, there's another button say, I'd love to pray with somebody. And we hope if you could hit both buttons, some of you just want to Hit the, hit the button for prayer and, and someone will greet you in a confidential, caring, compassionate way. And so please take advantage of that in our, in our ministry. Um, just before I give the final blessing, I want to say, especially to the new people, right after the service, we have these things called Digital Connect Groups. And basically, they're, they're um, groups that you can meet in a breakout room on, on, um, in our chat, and uh, or not chat, actually live, uh, and you can discuss the, the sermon and their sermon questions and you can kind of uh, kind of go deeper in it. So if you're interested in that, you'll see links in the in the chat and you might want to go to that uh, right after this benediction. Okay, so here's the final blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you and its countenance be upon you, and may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and may you know of His grace and mercy. In Christ's name,
0: amen. Let's all strive to be more thoughtful. Find God's truth in life. He is the standard for everything. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako. But during this COVID season, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church's websites, fpchawaii.org or thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30 and 11.11 for First Pres and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.